All right, we are back here for the Ship Chasing Minisode series. We are four picks down in our first FFPC main event slow. We have started AJ Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Debo Samuel, and the uh, little surprise cliffhanger from last episode is DK Metcalf comes back around to us. We didn't think that was going to happen, guys. We do kind of reluctantly select him, none of our favorite player, and yet looking at the board, looking at ADP, thinking – Maybe this is our chance to get our DK Metcalf shares for the season at 4-2. We really like the Kyle Pitts pick more for structure, but we, at the end of the day, it was these guys have an 18-pick gap in ADP. Metcalf is behind ADP. We'd have to reach to get Pitts, and that was a lot of IKBing for our first draft. 18 picks, a round and a half. Yeah, and it just felt like you know the room is giving us a really nice price on Metcalf here. Um, maybe this is the only time we take Metcalf all year, it easily could be. None of us are all that psyched about him, but um, to get a fourth round Metcalf is is pretty nice in a portfolio that's probably going to be pretty light on him. So I thought I thought it made sense. Yeah, and you do see the kind of the sliding doors build from our friend Ryan from the Ten Hole. He's a ship chaser here. He does do the the slight ADP reach for you know structural purposes. Um, granted, maybe he had a flatter tier of wide receiver to decide on and didn't have a faller like Metcalf. Maybe we can talk to him and see if he would have taken Metcalf there. But he does take George Kittle, comes back around, takes Terry McLaurin. We are now on the clock in the uh, back end of the fifth round. A couple of interesting quarterbacks went off the board in Herbert and Fields. Um, we saw a bunch of running backs go off in this round. And I'm sitting here looking at this board and my quick thoughts were, one, this is just firmly wide receiver territory. There's no quarterbacks. There's no tight ends. And the one running back I think we collectively like or would generally be on board with, J.K. Dobbins, has serious question marks mainly around his contract. I'm not actually worried as much about the health being on pup, but I think better prices are coming for JK Dobbins. So I guess I'll open it up to you guys here. Is there any possible pick other than a wide receiver at this selection? Uh, I don't really see one. I think it almost has to be a wide receiver. I mean, Dobbins would be the running back for me, but we could maybe talk about him in the sixth. I mean, I, I think he could, He's in play for me in the, in the sixth, I think. But I don't know. There's a couple wide receivers I, I really like here. I think we could just go wide receiver, wide receiver again. There's a couple names I would throw out. Dobbins, just powering through it and taking Dobbins is one. Um, DeAndre Swift is at the other turn. It's a long way, but he's an interesting one you could reach for. Probably not him. The, the name that I think if you're going to make a case – I think is Javante Williams, who has gone as high as 39 overall uh, already in, in these. I, I have to assume his ADP of 77 is going to continue to rise as he is now on track to be the week one starter. Um, they didn't add anyone. There was some talk of like Dalvin Cook or, or right when Dalvin Cook got cut. And the fact that that talk went away really quick, I think, is a really positive sign, as well as obviously Javante not opening on PUP. It would be early to take him with this 5-6 turn, but I think he's at least <clears throat> in the discussion if we think his ADP winds up in this range. I think it probably does. I think that's fair. Javante was the only other name I flagged. And I should also say with the Dobbins and Javante stuff, I still think that would be a select uh, conversation for the early six, which we are going to obviously have here. But like on that point of this selection, like I don't see how this selection isn't fair. a wide receiver. I think there's four clear wide receivers in play here for me, just kind of based on ADP, where we, they generally go. Oh, go ahead. 
can we? T- I mean, I just want to. I don't. I'm not really in on Javante with with the 602 pick. I think you're right. He could settle here, but like, he did have a multi ligament tear, and like, I would just rather go with Dobbins, who I think like talent wise, I think you're getting a pretty similar bet in Dobbins. And he's two years off a similar injury. Yeah, you're eating the content uh, contract risk, but you also get a bit of a more explosive offense as part of the deal too. So. I, I, the, the case I against Javante is if he rises to where we think he is, like this is where he's going to land, like right after Kenneth Walker right. in draft. But I want to take like, him now in draft so I don't have to do this. Like yeah. I want to be like – like I, do, I think you're still taking on a fair amount of risk with Javante. Um, I don't think he'll make it back, but that's a fair he point. Won't. That's a fair point. He won't. Yeah, because his ADP at 77, we are going to pick at what, 83? Um He's he's not going to make it back. Yeah, and I should um, say I, I I'm looking at the ADP from both the fantasy pros and main events, so there's a lot more in here. When I said his highest is uh, 39, that might have been a fantasy pros. It might not be an actual main event, but I mean the fact that he went 39th already in a draft is kind of wild to me. It is wild, yeah. for sure. Oh, so, so, the, so go ahead, Pete, with the wide receivers. So I was going to say the four wide receivers that look interesting to me, and I think, again, because this tier is relatively flat, I do think you could go a little deeper if we had, like, our guys got – but the ones who stand out to me are DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Mike Williams, and Brandon Ayuk. Like, those four guys would be the ones I think would really be in the conversation here. Is there any other – name? and again, I'm talking specifically at this pick, not saying we couldn't take two of these guys or dip into another one, but for these pick, this pick, that's what jumps out to me. I agree. You and yeah, I won't even bring up Cam Akers. All right, fine. <laughs> Cam Akers is long gone. Oh, he's gone. I've won. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like the running backs are I it's Dobbins, it. then your Sanders, Madison, Rashad White, Damian Pierce, James Conner, DeAndre Swift. Like the running backs are wiped here. Got it. Based on like value pocket of the board, you know. Yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm definitely – I mean, obviously I'm fine to just piss yellow. And I think we can go wide receiver, wide receiver here. I, the 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 reason I'm sort of almost trying to pigeonhole a conversation about running backs and, – and, and, Pete, you make a great point about just this pick. I was, I was sort of thinking of the two picks together. But uh, is the conversation that we had about running back targets and tight end targets hitting in the same range? And one of the things we talked about to pivot off of that was to potentially take a, a Justin Herbert or a Justin Fields at this 5-6 turn. They go in the three picks right before us here. So we don't actually have a quarterback option either. We don't have a path to an elite quarterback necessarily. We don't have a path to an elite tight end at this point. And so now yeah. it starts to be like, ah, we're going to have to hit all this stuff in the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 range. How do you fit well, in and feel comfortable at the end? I think tight end gets pushed down, and we can play tight end late, and that is one thing we like to do. Yeah. I think I, I actually feel much more comfortable with the sort of the triple punt that we're potentially doing because I think we can layer it where, look, I mean, you guys are both really into some of these late quarterbacks that I'm not so into in best ball like Sam Howell, but I think Sam Howell is a pretty interesting main event pick. We can cut him if he's if he's benched, like, and I think he'll be fun regardless of how the season plays out. And you know, oh boy, now, now you're speaking my language. We're locking in Sam Howell in the fifth round. I, I'd be, I'd be happy to 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 go with the Howell. Now he wouldn't be our only guy, but like you know, he provides upside. The job security yeah, stuff is who cares? Yeah, I love you guys talking about the guy we need to take when the one person who's for sure listening to this that's in our draft has just selected Terry McLaurin. You guys are so bad at this. <laughs> 
All right. Well, you know, maybe I'm not bad at it. Maybe I'm really fucking good at it. You ever think of it? Don't want help. No. So yeah, yeah let, let's look, stay focused look, here, though. Yeah. I, no, I'm not. Because I do. This is, this we, is... we have quarterback options late. I'm not panicked about quarterback. I think it is more the thing Ben saying the zero RB in tight end but targets. But also converging. tight end, right? Tight end. You yep. have plenty of tight ends. A full tight end punt is also pretty interesting. Yeah. So the thing that we would need to prioritize is running back in those in that in that pocket, right? In that yes. kind of zero running back pocket. That's what we well, could. When does that start? Team. Like I would argue it maybe should start at this turn with an anchor, even if it is Dobbins, no. somebody that we're a little concerned about. I, I I understand that we can wait, but like if if you're doing a full zero RB running back room, that's a legit zero RB running back room that doesn't have one of these dead zone anchor types. Like you're you're sacrificing projected points there. The the late quarterback, late tight end is also viable. I'm with you on all that, but we're definitely sacrificing projected points at both of those spots as well. It does become dicey. I think we can layer it, but our our, our team's not going to look great at the end. I mean, to me though, like we 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 already made those decisions, right? Like we passed on Mark Andrews, we passed on Kyle Pitts, and we basically said we are not going to reach to get the structure we want, that we're going to take the best possible players on the board, knowing we do feel confident we can piece together those other positions. To me, the wide receivers are so clearly the best picks on the board right now that I don't even, I see zero opportunity cost to it. I think we're making a mistake if we, if we make a big reach for, for structure at this point. It was either of the picks. I, I honestly think so. Interesting. Dobbins is the only exception, but yeah, I think we're, I think we're capitulating if, I, I agree with your point on Dobbins versus Javante, and Dobbins is the one that I'm fixating on at this point as we talk about this. His ADP is not, you know, does not say that he's a reach, but I understand not wanting to take him ahead of his ADP at the current moment, where mm-hmm. you know we should probably. So here's be here's the other thing about it for me is that I think, like, you know, when I'm looking at my best ball drafts and stuff, I'm taking DJ Moore ahead of Dobbins without thinking. I'm taking Mike Williams ahead of Dobbins without thinking. I'm generally taking Deontay Johnson and Brandon Ayuk ahead of him without thinking. So those four guys all being here and knowing that we're going to get two of them make me also feel like I am. Are you still, when you start four receivers, I think that's when I actually consider taking Dobbins. Well, in best ball, I wouldn't right? in best ball. I wouldn't, but this isn't best ball with, you know, we don't, we don't need to be as worried about, you know, getting those early season points slotting into our lineup at, you know, running back. We're trying to hit, we're trying to hit four absolute stud wide receivers who are locking into our lineup every week. So sure. Yeah, going a little harder at the position, I think, makes actually makes sense. So I don't mind it. Um, the, the, the last thing, and we, we can get to the receiver debate, but the last thing is we have already talked about the 7-8 looking great for a receiver. Are you guys prepared to start eight straight receivers, or do you think 7-8 will be a seven, better pocket? I think, I think, I mean, at running back, right, we could be looking at some, you know, pick 84. There is a pocket of running backs who I think would be okay. We probably need – Probably need to get lucky with like a faller or right or someone right at ADP. But if you just look in the applet, I think we'd be all right with with um our first running back at like the 802. Right. Cause I think you are gonna be then in the like uh and I, I'm hesitant. I'm I honestly am kind of hesitant to toss talk names out, but I do think yeah. that there's gonna be names we like there. Um okay. Because my my whole thought too has been even with like underdog that a lot of the running backs in nine ten aren't that different from like the six sevens um, right now too some of those like secondary yeah. backs so but I 
to your point, Ben, I think I'm completely open to both configurations there of like, if we had a huge follower, we loved at wide receiver. Like if we do start, um, what would it be? Eight wide receivers. I, I honestly would be fine with that, but I'm also completely open to the fact we might really like a running back or tight end in that range. Okay. Um, cool. So let's, let's, let's talk the wide receivers. Cause I, I do think you can make interesting cases for yeah. all four of them. They're different players, different team environments. They win in different ways. I mean, the one that jumps out to me is Brandon Ayuk. Um, and I know that maybe they're like super ceiling outcomes with Debo already on the team aren't like perfectly correlated, but we're making a bet on that offense. I do think Ayuk and Debo are used in different enough ways that it can work. And if one of them does have the true breakout, like you're going to be very, very happy to have that. And in addition to that, if you have a Kittle or CMC injury, like then you have like a full blast off consolidated scenario. But I, I do like all of these guys. Mike Williams is the one I'm like slightly down on, but I'm curious like if you guys have a lean on your favorite of those four. I, my favorite I do. Is, I was gonna let you go first. Go ahead. My favorite is DJ Moore. Uh, you know, especially like when you what I, he's the one that I was gonna say I want least. <laughs> so I oh, just love that. So but go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I think when you're looking at like what we're trying to accomplish here. We have four wide receivers, and we're looking now for a fifth wide receiver. So it's like, well, how are you going to start all these guys, right? Like, that's what we always get the pushback on. DJ Moore gives us such clear paths to us feeling like we can start him if Justin Fields take a, takes a step forward as a passer, if they're a run-first but not ultra-run-heavy team. DJ Moore's got 27% target share or whatever. We're, like, locked and loaded. Like, he, it's just a very – easy path. Now that might not happen. I get the, some of the concerns about that, but he's just like, you know, we're not just like hoping we get lucky in that week that they, you know, the things kind of funnel his way. If this offense takes a step forward, it's going through DJ Moore. I just don't see it that way at all. It's, it's interesting. I do not think it's a clear path. I see it as a real gray area where his hmm. breakout is, very spike week heavy. Like I actually get the argument in best ball more. I think I think Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool are both good players. I think the ways that the Bears offense could manifest in increased pass volume could be unpredictable weekly. They will still have weeks like last year. And so we won't feel comfortable playing him on a weekly basis. And so like, why would you draft him in a really wide receiver heavy room? I would want to draft him in a room where I'm lock and loaded starting him every week. I, I see that path to him being a clear starter as like a really narrow one. I do see some of the like out positive outcomes for him, but I think after we get like eight games of data, it's like, oh yeah, he's had like five really good games and three like where they went super run heavy and looked more like the 2022 version of themselves. And then you're like, ah, man, can we even start him? That was the reason I was like, because we've already gone four straight receivers, I don't like him. Like I actually like, Deontay Johnson the most where I'm like I, I think he has the clear paths where if this passing offense takes a little bit of a step forward we know the target volume is going to yeah. be there if he's like vaguely efficient he's, he's an he's easy guy least, to start he's my least favorite he's your before. least favorite yeah Interesting. I think because I don't think he's very good I think he can earn targets and you know he'll have his like I kind of the, the argument you made like if we had a couple running backs and we just need a receiver that we that we're putting in our lineup every week and we feel okay about he fits that bill for me but like He's not 
you know, he, he actually, I think Pickens and Fryermuth are much stronger target competition than Moore is dealing with. And then you also have Kenny Pickett versus Justin Fields in terms of ceiling out. Yeah, but the, the offenses are half. way different. A huge part of my point well, on the Bears still goes not, back to... They might to... not be that... They might not be that different if the if the Bears based um, on what we, we have to have this conversation longer. We got to do a pod together because I think you are really underweighting the 2022 football season. The ways that cover twos happened, the ways that teams answer with rushing. I don't QBs. think the Bears going to be dealing with a ton of cover two. Like they're not trying to t- they're not trying to take away, you know. Like, but they like their co- same coaching staff made decisions to go really, really run heavy as a way to combat that. They could throw more, but like I, I, I end up. They weren't uh, combating cover with, two. They were combating not trying to get embarrassed. They they were down like two scores and running the shit out of the ball. They were. That's a lot of certainty, I think, for how how stark their trends were. I I lean. I wind up really aligned with Leone on this, who was talking as well, about like how bad can this get and get super, super bad. I, I, my range of outcomes for their passing, even like taking a step forward is like, it's really, really hard for me to see how they get anywhere near like Pittsburgh's pass offense has been a, a, a positive PROE team. Like every year, I know Pickett's a different quarterback than what they have with Roethlisberger, but they still have like Matt Canada in place and everything. Like there's paths to them being, I mean, Matt it Canada might, was, what it's his third year. Right. Yeah, but they've been they've been a positive PRO team the last couple of years. Yeah, like they're talking solidly. about they're talking about pound on the rock. They're they're getting a lot of lip service to pound on the rock. So they're actually they were actually yeah. a negative PRO you, team last year. Ben, I agree completely with like the downside risk to DJ Moore. Like I, I'm not um, like it could be very bad. But I do you agree that he has a, a higher range of tippity top outcomes than Deontay Johnson? Like when the things no. do align. You don't, because I, I just, there's no way Deontay Johnson as a player, when everything comes together, can do more with that opportunity than DJ Moore. Like DJ Moore. Well, the opportunities are uh, Deontay. It's the opportunity. Close. The opportunity is in the meet, perfect situation. I don't think there's a scenario where he can get 150 targets with the Bears, and Deontay Johnson does that every year. So I, I, it is like the opportunity isn't going to be the same. Like I, I think it's. It's a faulty argument to, to to discuss Deontay Johnson and DJ Moore on similar target volume. Like Deontay Johnson's target floor over the last three or four years is a number that I don't think DJ Moore can even reach. So like, yes, I think on a per target basis, DJ Moore is a better football player and would do way more with the volume. But in terms of their actual tippity top outcomes for the two different players, I don't, I, I, I think Deontay has to do a lot less per target because there is a meaningful gap. In, well, he'll, in, he'll take you up on that. What do you mean? He'll and do what, a lot less per target. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, he'll, I think said <laughs> that's his calling card. Yeah, no, for sure. But like, that's the thing is like, it doesn't feel that hard to me for him to finally just have an efficient season. But maybe it is that hard for him. I, I get it. Like, I agree. I, I don't love the talent, but I, I, I mean, the last three years: 144 targets, 169 targets, 147 targets. For a, for a, any Bears receiver, and this is even not – I think Mooney and Claypool are actually decent players, but this is – you know, saying that he really consolidates, for any Bears receiver to get anywhere near that I think would be really difficult. They'd have to take a huge step forward and the volume would have to be really consolidated. Last year, their, their target leaders, and I understand their volume is going to come up, 69, 61, 41, 40. That's their top four target. 69, Cole Komet led their team in targets last year. I mean, if DJ Moore gets like 110 targets this year, that's a that's – I mean, he's consolidated volume, and they've probably taken a step forward in volume. 
I'm projecting him for 115. I'm projecting him very, I think, pretty aggressively, but I don't think he can get anywhere near, like, I don't, I don't see how he gets to 140 targets. I just, the math does not make any sense. It would be such a, a big step forward, but maybe I'm, maybe well, I'm under, this, undervaluing this is, the. This is why I'm on Ayuk because Ayuk, I think he, I think is, is talented. We like the offense. We've made a bet on that. Like to me, he kind of checks a little bit of the um, boxes that DJ Moore and Deontay Johnson both don't check on like opposite ends. Like he kind of middles what I think we're, we're looking for here. What do you think? I don't love that we have him in Debo, I will say. I mean, I think, yeah, like when imagining the three week sprint, it's like, I get what you're saying about maybe Kittle goes down or something, but otherwise, it's like, it does feel like we're sort of just trying to hit a double with it. Mike Williams is also tough because I like him in best ball. I think he's a bit underrated. I think he gets, he's not a complete player and he got overrated for a number of years, I think. And so we kind of, I think maybe have a little bit of a bias against him, but Quentin Johnston could be emerging down the stretch. And he's another guy who just like is, is the sprint, you know, thinking through the sprint, he, yeah. he's a little bit tougher, but Mike Williams is my least favorite of all the guys we discussed. I, I, I get that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ayuk is apparently like looking amazing in training camp for what that's worth. And, um, you know, could could maybe take a step forward. I think he's a pretty good player, and the offense could be scoring a ton of points. Uh, and like my bull case for the Bears would still have them probably passing less than the 49ers did last year. Like my my thing is like, could they get to 500 passing attempts, which would put them at 28th in the league last year? But um, yeah, I mean, that it might be tough for them to do that because they only had 377 last year. <laughs> they were extremely, extremely <laughs> run out. And, and, and the biggest thing about it for me with Fields, I do think he takes a step forward as a player, but it's both of the elements that are dropbacks that don't become pass attempts. So it's not just they're called pass right, but it's also that when they call passes, he takes sacks at a really high rate, he scrambles at a really high rate. League high in both. So when you combine yeah. the percentage of dropbacks that don't become pass attempts, it's way above the league high. And even if he does a better job of getting Still, rid of the ball early, it, like it's still going to be Ravens, The Ravens last year had 488 passing attempts, and that was with an incomplete season from Lamar Jackson. So, like, I am not being like, oh, my God, they're going to they're gonna chuck it. They're going to chuck it when I say we could see a huge regression yeah. Yeah, towards yeah, yeah. passing no. attempts. Like, 100 more passing attempts could just, like, be available here relative to last year. I mean, that's a huge – so, you know, if he had a 30% target share on 488 passing attempts, that's 400 – or, sorry, that's 146 targets. To your point, it's still not 150 targets, but – and 30% is a really high target share. By, like, a 25% target share of 488 to 122. So, yeah, I mean, you're definitely looking at a lower targeted player, but is he getting, you know, some of the deep shots? Is he getting, you know – the, the first reads constantly in the red zone. That's, that's I, so I would argue that the market, the market's with, yeah, the market's with me on this too, though, where there was that conversation fields did the little um, interview where he said he was going to become the first Bears quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards, which is not a huge number in a 17 game season. I I'm projecting Patrick Mahomes to throw for over 5,000, which is, you know, a yeah. lofty projection. I have 22 quarterbacks projected for 4,000 passing yards this year. I'm, pre- I'm assuming health for each. It's not going to be 22 yeah. in a given season. 
but I have fields. I have fields dropbacks coming way up. But what I'm talking about is the percentage of dropbacks that become pass attempts. I also have that percentage coming down. So more of his dropbacks become pass attempts. But I get him up to 470 pass attempts in that you know that projection. I project about, okay. about 3,500 passing yards. But the point I'm making is when I saw that quote, somebody commented, I, if I'm not mistaken, that you can get a, in the prop market like I think close to 10 to one on Justin Fields to throw for 4,000 yards. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the like if, yeah. if you guys are this confident in his betting, you guys should go bet his his four thousand yard pass on, on his passing coming forward. Go bet his four thousand yard passing numbers. And the other issue I would say with where we're at with DJ Moore is Fields came off the board. If you guys could convince me that we could get Fields and Moore together at this turn, like if if I if know about DJ Moore, Fields is a hit. Yeah. Fields is a smash if you're right about DJ Moore. I want to take them together if you guys are right about that. I I, I love taking them together. Yeah. That, that is I, a bummer. Fields was the one that killed me when it got peeled off um, because I thought with that structure and just knowing we were going to like the wide receivers, having one elite onesie that we actually felt was a good ADP value and a smash. So that was that was the biggest gut punch of the whole draft for me. But like, so where, got, where are we at? Do you have concerns about this? taking – yeah, my question is just do you guys have concerns about taking more solo without Fields? Because I just feel like you're losing to a Fields more I draft. Still, They're going to be stacked yeah. a lot. I, I do I do I do get that. Definitely I mean, bummer. my thing that I'm more thinking through is kind of like what Pat was saying of like who do we feel really good when things hit right of sticking them in our starting lineup? Like how does this guy get in our starting lineup over these four guys? And I just think I feel better about the hit scenarios where the Bears do tick up and DJ Moore has the best quarterback he's ever played with. Like I do think through those ceiling scenarios as being very exciting. But again, my favorite isn't DJ Moore. I, I think Brandon Ayuk is the best pick here. Um, I have a hard time with Ayuk too, and I, th I think I agree with Pat. And after he laid that out, having him and Samuel, I think you wind up sort of questioning which of those two you play. Like if Ayuk's a hit, it just makes it really hard to know which of the San Fran receivers you're playing. Kind of. So I mean, I and I disagree. I, I, I think you can win both ways. The 49ers are just utterly dominant, and you want to be which starting. Is a plausible outcome. Or or there is an injury. To any one of those guys, CMC, Kittle, or one of yeah. them, we would take, and you are just windmilling it in on the other one every single week. True. Yeah, I, I mean, Ayuk is definitely intriguing to me. He's he's got um, the fact that Purdy is now looking like pretty locked in as the starter. I think is very good for passing volume there. Yep. Uh, Purdy was also good last year. So, yeah, I, I think, like, DJ Moore is my favorite, but I, I think Ayuk would be – and in some ways, Mike Williams would be my next guy. Um, or at know. least he's he's close with Ayuk because I just get to bet on the Chargers, and the char maybe the Chargers are putting up a ton of points. It's a very similar case to Ayuk, actually. Like, maybe the Chargers are just you, – you just want pieces of that offense, and maybe Keenan's banged up. And Mike Williams has got an awesome target share down the stretch. And we haven't already bet on a different piece of the offense. So he's someone I think we should at the least be open-minded about when he comes back next round. And again, not that it couldn't work out, but almost same with your guys' concerns of Ayuk with Debo. My concerns of having our back-to-back -back picks of DK Metcalf, Mike Williams, two guys I am terrified are going to get dusted by younger, more talented teammates down the stretch is like very, very scary to me. And that's not even to speak of the other talented veteran on their teams that they have to compete with in, in Tyler Lockett yeah. and Keenan Allen. That's a, that's a very compelling case. I, I, I do think that Mike Williams 
ceiling case if if the Chargers are just a really interesting pass game it is probably strong. But I'm I'm pretty out on Williams too. I want to be clear. I've argued pretty vehemently in this pod, but I do think these are reasonably close calls. And I'm like yeah. comfortable being outvoted on this. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not like pounding the table. But when you do ask that question of who do I think in a in a ceiling outcome or a hit outcome, I feel most comfortable putting in our starting lineup. Like to me, just opinion, it's easily Deontay Johnson because the target volume is there. And all we have to do is get a passing game where like Kenny Pickett's okay. And like there's a, a modicum of efficiency in the passing game. George Pickens is good, I think, but didn't earn volume at a huge rate last year. I don't think there's a uh, – Allen Robinson's going to be running a lot of routes for this team. He's going to do probably ultimately nothing. I think there are a lot of paths to Deontay Johnson being the clear number one again and getting a lot of target volume. And then it's just, okay, if Pickett's good enough to kind of help Deontay from an efficiency standpoint, we finally get that year where, okay, he doesn't have a sub seven yards per target. Like that's not – like hard to envision. So that's just like where I'm at uh, to that question. You you laid that question out and said for you, I, I believe you said for you, it's DJ Moore. For me, I my answer is just very different on that. But I'm comfortable with you. I'm comfortable with Moore if you guys like it. I don't love Moore without Fields is, is one of the biggest parts because I think if you are betting on those ceiling outcomes, you probably – Fields is the bigger hit then, than Moore, I, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they, they're both big hits, but – I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I would love to to be able to go fields more. But Rich Rebar had a really good take. Uh, well, I, I enjoyed the take a lot. He was it was on uh, the NBC pod, Bird World pod. He was just kind of talking about Deontay Johnson as sort of just being one of these not big hit players and and had a number of advanced stats on. That's how I felt about Cooper Cup for the record. The year that Cooper Cup went went nuclear. Right, That's yeah. how I felt about him. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. It, I mean that that's like a, in some ways a fair comp, right? Like he's he's a target I, yeah. earner, but we're like, yeah, but not enough. And then he's like, it is enough. It yeah. doesn't take a lot from when you when you get 140 targets. It doesn't. I mean, for Cup, it took a lot to get to where he was. I don't think Deontay's going to do that. Yeah, right. and I think you could you could agree. Uh, I mean, like I, the hope, right? Just based on how we're drafting them, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, anchors, fixtures of the lineup. There could be more volatility with Debo in DK Metcalf. The only thing that if, if you are at least conceding that the, the floor is part of the appeal for Deontay, if we're drafting eight wide receivers, I feel way more comfortable taking a ton of big cuts being like, can we get, you know, four top 10 wide receivers on this team, basically in your cases, Deontay Johnson can be that, which I I hear you um, on that. But I also think IU can be that. I, and, and part of my case against DJ Moore is I, I guess I just don't think he can be that as much as I like the player. Like, Mm-hmm. I, I just I have a really hard time seeing paths for this offense where we're like, yeah, this guy's a locked in top ten receiver. Like from a DFS perspective, we're just like, yeah, he's a top ten guy every week. Like I just there's gonna be weeks where that's not how this offense it, it it's it's projecting a lot different from their team level stats, a lot different. Mm-hmm. So I think then the thing we have to decide on is like, are you are. How, how are we playing this? Because it seems like Pat's not is into Deontay Johnson and inversely. The I mean, DJ Ben sold Moore. me a little bit on Deontay. I still like, I mean, part of it's the picket thing for me. Uh, like if he was getting Matthew Stafford, then maybe, <laughs> maybe I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't I know. Will, this is that year for him. I will do yeah. Deontay Johnson here. If we commit to taking one of Ayuk or DJ Moore if they come back. I'm, I'm more Ayuk than Johnson. 
I'm willing to just take Ayuk if you guys want. I, I'm okay with that. But I do think Deontay will probably go at the turn. This guy took Amon-Ra, and he needs receivers. He seems to be fine with just target volume. Based on ADP, DJ Moore is the highest, um, and then Deontay Johnson, then Mike Williams. One thing I was going to say at the top of this pod, I feel like I can profile our, our ship chaser pretty well. I have no idea how to profile this guy. Um, yeah, he took Darren Waller. Football. One thing we yeah. did mention for the audio listeners, he took Darren Waller 401, part of why we kind of were questioning the Metcalf 402. He did the big reach, and then Kittle went 403. So those guys, when we talked in the earlier minisodes about being more 4-5 turn tight ends, two of them got pushed up to the early fourth. So two other drafters around our range kind of decided they were going to address this late draft slot, not having great shots at tight end by by reaching on a tight end. Yeah, um, I don't know how to profile him either. He's, he looks like a tough guy to profile. He took both Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon. He seems like a little bit of a grinder, but um, yeah. I I think uh, oh so Ayuk has the lowest ADP. I was gonna say I, I'm I'm definitely fine taking Ayuk. Uh, Ayuk is the one I think favorite. is is most likely to come back just ADP wise. Okay. I I do I do think that. But again, I I with this guy I don't know how to profile him. It, um, but if you look at the top of the board too, like a guy who takes Joe Mixon where he did, like he could be very interested in Miles Sanders or Alexander Madison. I'll actually put a lock that one of his picks is Alexander Madison. Like that's, that's what this, this feels <laughs> We're like. We're going to get one and of it, you guys are the, your least favorite guy. Both of you is Mike Williams, right? For me. Yes. So we're and for Ben too, right? I, I go, I, you still DJ, DJ more. Oh, still Deontay, DJ Mike Williams. <laughs> so if we're doing rank preference order, go, what are, what is yours, Pat? It's DJ Moore, and then I, and then I, I at this point I don't know. <laughs> I'm confused. So that doesn't. I would be I would be Deontay Ayuk. I think I would be Mike Williams over DJ Moore. Just completely. So if we're honest, just doing like pure ranks, the... and if, if Pat's not going to vote, then then Ayuk is definitely the. Uh... Well, if we're trying to get two of them, Deontay. But we're not going. Probably... Ben's not going to want DJ Moore, even if DJ Moore comes back. Yeah, but we if you take Deontay team. here, you can take DJ Moore. I won't. I, I'll, I would. That's why I said I'm okay I'll, taking Deontay I'll, I'll if we commit that. to Moore or Ayuk coming back. I don't want to make you. I feel bad. Like I feel like I'm making you guys both take Deontay. I was no, giving my opinion, but close. I don't want to. If you it's both don't close. like him, it's okay. Close. It's, it's, it's close. pretty close. I mean, I'm pulling up Deontay stuff. I mean, he had 169 targets in 2021 and 16 games. He had 144 in 2020, 147 last year. Like he was the top receiver in open score last year. I do think you can say like he's it's a high floor play which isn't what we're looking for but that high floor creates stealing. a ceiling if Pickett yeah. doesn't suck ass this year which I think he probably will but I'm more optimistic doesn't? on Pickett yeah. yeah what if he doesn't all right guys we need to decide because I got to get going here um who we do let's take Deontay who's at the, the he's at the highest right isn't he got the highest DJ or DJ, DJ Moore well, is the highest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he, of the other guys, he's the highest ADP. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think Deontay Ayuk is sort of the plan now, right? Or are we? Do I would you, like, you want to take DJ Moore? You'd be Deontay DJ Moore. Yeah. Pete, do you but, do you want to take DJ Moore this pick, or have I convinced you off of that? I want to take Ayuk this pick. Ayuk's my favorite, but uh, I'm trying to 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 be in the middle and, and get this going. If we think Ayuk is uh, better served for the 602 because he's the most likely to fall through, yeah. about for, for between Deontay and DJ Moore, where would you land? Deontay and D. I'm I'm more DJ Moore, 
but I, I get your, your K. I don't, I don't, and we're, I, I literally do not feel super, super strongly about anything. Like I think all of, I don't either. Really yeah. Cool. So that's why I'm just telling my, then maybe, maybe, maybe we should take Ayuk then. Cause yeah. if we're, cause if you're not, if De Deontay is your third choice and he's like, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to push you guys both towards Deontay if you don't want to take him basically. Cause I, I'm, I don't feel strongly enough. That's just where I like, yeah, that's just my opinion on it. Let's take, let's we, take Ayuk. Let's take Ayuk, and then we'll, we'll figure Ayuk out and then on let the way the back. Room decide yeah. what. 49ers yeah. are going to crush this year, so let's. We it. all are comfortable with Ayuk. He's my second yes. pick. All right. It, all right. All right. It also opens us up to Purdy. You know, becomes interesting as like a late quarterback option for us if we we get shut out of another uh, quarterback yep. selection there. Um. Okay. All right. We're going to power this down. This is the classic ship chasing mini. So that's now at a 37 minute runtime. I know this always happens, uh, but we appreciate you guys. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, you can get access to the video ones earlier. Um, we are posting those in advance for the YouTube members. You can go to youtube.com slash ship chasing, become a member also unlocks the ship chasing discord. Appreciate you guys. As always, we'll be back next time to let you know how we are going to handle the seven, eight turn. Peace.